0: listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. For those of you that are new here, we want you to feel welcome. Saturday nights are kind of different than, another, than other nights throughout the week. Saturday nights are kind of like a reunion for us. It's a special time. It's like our family getting together. And what you typically see on a Saturday night is what you're seeing now. I mean, we're praising God, and we're, we're reading the Word, and we're hanging out like a family. We do other things, too. We take communion and just get to know each other, and it's just a great time, and uh, it's a time that we just look forward to all week, but there's always a, a mix of people that show up. Some of us are regulars here. Others are from other churches, like uh, Mars Hill, and uh, some of you have never actually been to a church before, and uh, that's why we're here. If you guys uh, kind of get familiar with what we do, it's we're here to find those people that maybe have never had a relationship with God or never been to a church before. I don't know what that's like. So, our hope is that sometime throughout the night, you maybe see Him through us, and maybe you're prompted beyond that. But uh, anyway, uh, if that's the case, we just want to share God's love with you and hope that you have that encounter. So, does anybody have their Bible tonight? I got my Bible. We're going to, if you don't have a Bible or you don't know how to look up stuff, we're going to be putting it up on the screen, and uh, you'll be able to look at it that way. But before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you guys about what an awesome year this has been. I was talking to Jason. For those of you guys who don't know Jason, he's our uh, pastor here. He's actually away right now, but we were talking about some of the great stuff that's happened throughout the year, and this perspective we had, and how things have just changed. And when we look back, it's quite a bit different now than it was then, but it's not a bad thing. It's uh, We've... we've We're kind of responsive. We we feel like the things that have happened and the things that are different is because we're responding to things we're prompted to do. And being responsive means that you adapt and you change. And I got to tell you, I, I like that because I get bored really quick with the status quo. So for me, the more dynamic, the better. And I'm not just talking about the building. I'm not talking about the paint and the air conditioning. What we're seeing change is the minds and the hearts of people that have come through here. And it's awesome. Some of you guys have seen it. And, and we're seeing the signature of God just at work in people's lives. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and from that, we're seeing fruit come forward. And it's just so cool to be a part of that. But anyway, we're just getting started, though. Over the next couple months, is that popping me? Over the next couple months, we're gonna, our staff has been hard at work. And we're expecting some really cool stuff to happen. And if you guys are feeling prompted to plug in in any way in your resources, your time, I'm sure we could put it to work. So look us up if that's the case. But uh, for those of you here last week, Jason talked about this thing that we call the glory of God. The glory of God is a very wide subject, but he talked about how it's something that we can see in everyday life, how it's seen in creation around us. And, and we've talked about how sometimes it's hard to see that glory. It's hard to see it when we, when we have a world that's broken and people are hurting and and there's just sadness and wars going on. And, and we read scripture, and, and we, we came to find out that sometimes it's hard to see those things, because we've taken God from a place that he should be, and we've replaced him with something else. And in that replacement, it, things become clouded. We don't see things as clearly, but even then, I'm still reminded of it. When I, when I look at the intricacy of creation, when I Look at the things that he's done. It's so amazing. I want to show you guys a picture of a, a maple leaf. Can you put that up, Chris? Actually, it's a walnut leaf. When you look at something like this, this is actually through a microscope. And it, and it shows this detailed cellular structure of this plant. And, and when you see that, it's not something that you could see from the naked eye. But it's always there. It always exists. It's always, every one of them look like this. But sometimes we have to adjust our view and adjust the way we look at it in order to actually see that beauty and that intelligent design and that creation. The other day, my son and I were at a doctor's office. You guys know my son Asher? He's about this big, but I, he looks like me. Anyway, we, uh, we're at this doctor's office for an exam. And we're sitting in the exam room. And him and I, we're, we're looking at this picture on the wall. It was a poster of this shoulder joint. And we're in amazement of the detail of this photo. It's not a photograph. It was an illustration or a drawing. But there was this bone structure and tendons and veins and nerves. And we were just looking at this thing and kind of just in awe. Well, the doctor walks in. He's got his lab coat on. He's this old guy that probably should be retired. But he sees us just looking at this thing. And all he says is, it's amazing, isn't it? And we just kind of looked at him and nod our heads a little bit. And, and he got really excited. And he actually opened up his cabinet and, and brought out this other book and uh, opened it up and showed us these even more detailed explanations of the human body. And he started having this discussion with us about the chemistry of cells as they divide in the body. And to be honest with you, this stuff was just way over my head. Just, I had no idea what he's talking about. But the pictures were cool and Asher was like digging it. So we were just enjoying it. But... But to watch this guy at the end of his career, still excited about it, as he probably was in med school, it was cool. But I was reminded of this intelligent design of our bodies, and it was so cool. Um, The glory of God, it's, it's a profound thing. The glory of God is something that's hard to grasp, how big he is, really. When we look at the universe, and we try to imagine the distance between galaxies from here to there, it's so hard to comprehend, it's so hard to understand. I wanna show you guys a photograph. This is, have you guys ever seen this before? This is the antenna galaxy. This galaxy is 45 light years away. You guys know what a light year is? A light year is a distance it takes light to travel in one year, or the time it takes. It's about 186,282 miles per second. A bullet is like 400 miles, or 400 feet per second. Just way faster than that. And, and to actually get there, we would have to travel for 45 million years at that rate. And when I think about the math, it just completely bends my mind. I have absolutely no idea how to, how to even comprehend how far this thing is away from us. I could barely balance my checkbook, and, and my wife will attest to that. Where is she? She's not here yet. But, but it's all over the planet. It's a, it's a reflection of God. Everywhere we look, we see things that are this reflection of God. And and last week we read about David, how David was just as awestruck back then as we are now. When looking at the universe 2,000 plus years ago, it was still hard to comprehend. And and if you want to read this with me, I'm going to read it again. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 19. It's kind of in the middle in verse 1. The heavens keep telling the wonders of God. And the skies declare what he has done. Each day informs the following day. Each night announces to the next. They don't speak a word and there is never the sound of a voice. Yet their message reaches all the earth and it travels around the world. In the heavens, a tent is set up for the sun. It rises like a bridegroom and gets ready like a hero eager to run a race. It travels all the way across the sky. Nothing hides from its heat. So David tells us that even without audible words, creation just screams his glory, that they don't even have to say anything. All we have to do is look at it. It's like a picture being worth a thousand words. When you you look at something, you could just see it for what it is, and it's just amazing. But have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the greatness of God? Have you ever been in a place where you were just as awestruck as David, where all you could do it's just sit there and look at creation and just be in awe. I, I get like that quite a bit, honestly. But Psalm 33, 6, if you guys go there with me, it says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. We have so many names for God. And it's from this passage that we coined the phrase star breather to describe him. And, and when you read about stars, you see that they're this amazing, awesome, burning, chaotic fireball that breathes life into our planet and, and keeps us in this orbit, right? And, and God, he speaks and they just pop out. And he, and he does it as casually as we would just blow a bubble. And I, I think about this and, and it kind of put things in perspective for me, how big he is and, and how great he is. And there's, there's really no word I can describe his magnitude with. I just sit in awe of this glory. I can't understand it, but I love it. It's, it's beautiful. But this glory, it's, it's more than something that we just look at. This glory, it goes beyond looking at a star and just recognizing it. This glory, is, it's beyond creation. It's actually much closer to home. His glory can be realized through you and I. You see, when our lives, when they're broken, and we allow this light of God to shine on our life, and it begins to change us, His glory is just shown through this magnificent brilliance. And it's an amazing thing. And and it's when we realize that we just don't have the answers. And we've spent every waking moment of our life rolling it out and trying to make sense of it, yet coming up completely empty-handed. We humbly come to him and say, I don't know. I don't have the answers. And and in that humility, God comes in and and just turns things around. And and we begin to see his glory in this way never before. Because it's unlike looking at something beautiful. It's unlike seeing creation. Because this thing is inside of us. This glory is inside of us. But it's still God's glory. and, And it's internalized. And after a while, you start to change. And it becomes this external thing. And people around you start to see it, and it's beautiful, and and it speaks so much of the beauty of our God. And if you've ever talked to somebody, this has happened to, if you've ever seen somebody that used to be this way and now they're this way, and and you see that God has been active and alive in their life, you'd just be amazed by it. There's people here tonight that that have seen that and felt that. You see, admitting weakness is the hard part. Getting to that point is the hard part. It's so hard to admit that we're weak. It's it's against our nature. It's against our programming, right? Any guys here know what I'm talking about? It's against our very nature to admit we're dependent on anything, particularly me. I'll be the first to admit it. It's Admitting we're broken, it's so hard to do. It's just so hard to do. But I'll tell you what's easy is wearing a mask. It's easy for us to put on a mask and and say that everything's okay and that everything's fine. It becomes second nature to us. When somebody asks us how we're doing, we just kind of nod our head and say we're fine. Inside, we could be just a wreck and a a mess. But that becomes what is normal. It becomes a thoughtless act that we just kind of do all the time. I injured my shoulder at work a couple months ago, and I found myself in this position where I have to well, my wife is doing most of the heavy lifting around the house. If you uh, ask her, she'll tell you she's been doing it all along. By the way, where is she? She's over there. Saturday is our 17th wedding anniversary, you guys. We've been married 17 years Saturday, so. <laughs> next week, thank you. It's, it's her putting up with me, believe me. But next week I'll be uh, maybe where Jason is and he'll be here, but, and I'll be texting him these cute photographs, but. Uh, it's against our nature. I hate asking for help. I hate seeing my wife move stuff around when I I could do it. But I'll tell you, I've recently had this light come on in my head about dependence. And it's hard to understand dependence for me, and it's hard to actually do it. But has anybody been to my home in the last couple weeks? A couple of you guys have. These birds have moved in on my porch. And I'll just tell everybody right now that I don't like birds. The truth is I'm actually terrified of them with their little beaks and their claws, but I'll, I'll save you the details. I was riding my motorcycle, and I crashed into a barn owl, and as a young kid, I was attacked on the neck by, like, a magpie, but anyway, I, I don't like birds. They, they just, I just hate them. I, I know they're God's creation, but there's other animals that I kind of have affection for, but a few weeks ago, these birds decided to start building this nest at my house, and, and swallows take mud, and they stick it against a wall. And every time they would do that, I would spray it down. And they'd come back, and I'd spray it down, and days went by, and I could not believe the persistence of these birds. They're taking this nasty, smelly, gooey swamp mud and putting it on my house, and I just didn't want to have any part of it. So I would spray it, and then then they'd come back. But a couple weeks ago, we had this commotion outside our house, and we started hearing this noise, and we went out there, and now there's four baby swallows in this nest. And it's, it's cool. I want to show you a video of it real quick. It's just a real quick video. Isn't that crazy? I uh, stuck my camera at the end of this pole to get that footage, not to, to bother him, but uh, it's uh, kind of a predicament. Um, just today, I was sitting in my living room, and I hear this blood-curdling scream, and my wife is yelling, Dustin! And so I, I come outside, and I think somebody's being killed, but we go out there, and, and the birds had left the nest. They, they actually today learned how to fly, and uh, it, it was kind of cool because one of them was sitting on a ledge over our window, kind of pooping there instead of over here. But after a few minutes, I, I live next door to Jason. After a couple minutes, all four birds of the two parents flew to his house, and right now, they're sitting above his door, making a mess there. So I'm, he's going to come home to this really cool surprise, but... Anyway, these birds are really well-behaved for the camera. They're not like that all the time. But I'm not fond of birds yet, but these are kind of growing on me. Um, I tell you, the the dependence I've seen on on these birds, they depended on their parents for everything. All day long, the mom and dad would go back and forth, each of them with these bugs, and they'd feed these birds. And when they arrived at the nest, the birds start screaming for more, and, and then they'd leave, and then they'd poop, and I'd clean it up, and it would start all over again every single day. You know, the thing about dependence, though, is that's kind of expected in creation. I mean, we take care of our kids, and most animals take care of their kids, right? Here's where it hit home for me, though. The parents don't see that dependence as a negative thing. They, they don't see this as a weakness, it's their job. And the, and the parents actually wanted to have these kids. They wanted to have these baby birds. And no matter how hard I tried, they kept coming back. And they wanted to bring forth this life. And, and today was a momentous occasion when they took flight. And it's kind of like their own glory for these parents seeing this happen with these birds. And, you know, it's just, it prompted me to consider my own dependence on God. It prompted me to begin analyzing my thoughts about dependence. Because in my nature, I don't want to be dependent on anything. I want to be able to work things out myself, to take care of my problems, not ask for help from anybody. But I realize that dependence is not negative. That through my dependence on God, some amazing stuff might happen. And and when when it does, that glory is shown through my change and through the work that God does in me. This might sound funny to you guys, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's okay to admit we're a wreck. It's okay. It's okay to admit that we don't have the answers. It's okay. It it really is. And if if there's nothing else you leave here tonight, just take that with you. Because when you're ready, you're going to remember that it's okay. It's okay to remember that, that we don't have all the answers and that we need to depend on somebody. Jesus actually sought out desperate, wrecked, broken, destroyed people he sought them out. That was what he did. I want to read this passage with you in Mark. If you guys have your chap- Bible, go to Mark chapter 2. Jesus goes to this lake. What's funny about lakes is everywhere we read about Jesus, he's walking on water. He's hanging out with fishermen. He's on the lakes, preaching. He really likes water. But he's at this lake, and, and he starts to teach, and he comes along this tax collector's booth. And he meets this tax collector, and they start walking away. And let's, let's just read it. Mark 13, Mark 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, you guys, back then, tax collectors were kind of like they are now. They're like the scum of the earth. I only say that because I have a friend that's a tax collector, but... Dave, you're not a tax collector, right? Well, you yeah, Dave? Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> So what he says to uh, this tax collector, Follow me, Jesus said, and, and Levi got up and followed him. Verse 15 When Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners, look at that in quotes, were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many that followed him. So we don't just have Levi at this dinner. We don't just have one tax collector. He brought all his tax collector friends, and they brought their sinner friends, and then there was this crowd. So we have all these people. And then the Pharisees come along. In verse 16, when the teachers of the law, who are Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners, quote, and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And that is so simple and so true. He says it himself. He's here for those people that are a wreck, those people who are broken. He says, I'm here for the people whose lives are falling apart. If your life is a mess, that's what I'm here for. And you see, our, co- our thoughts, are, they're so contrary to this. We think that we have to take care of it before we come to him. We think that we have to handle our business and, and, then, and then come into a relationship. Nobody wants to go into a relationship with baggage, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of our thought, but I, I think that many people actually refrain from seeking God in things. They, they don't want to air out this laundry list this inventory of failure. Some of our list just goes on and on, and it's embarrassing, and we don't want anybody to know about it, right? We want to hide it. Here's a concept that I want you to think about. Through our problems and issues, the glory of God is shown. Through our problems and issues, the glory of God is shown. And I want to read with you this passage in 2 Corinthians. Cassie shared with me this with me last week. Where's Cassie? Are you here? You guys, that's Cassie and Steve. They had the Bible study in golf on Thursdays, but you guys ought to check it out. Anyway, Cassie shared this with me, and I started reading it. And and this verse, it describes our problems as having weight. But also, it describes the glory of God as having weight. Let's read this. Chapter 2, verse 7, or 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You see, Paul speaks of these troubles as light and momentary. And he's saying that they create this thing, this glory that outweighs them. So he puts them on this scale. He puts them on this scale and and all of a sudden, the the, the glory that these problems create outweighs it and, and it doesn't even seem like it's there anymore. Well, how does that happen? How is it that my problems create glory? How is it that my life, my messed up, tore up life can mean anything. How is that? You guys ever ask yourself that question? When you, when you look at your own inventory of failure and I have done all this stuff and there's no way. I think everybody has those moments where you wanna just tuck that list away, right? But see, it's through our troubles that we achieve this glory. You know, when my little boy wanted to go fishing Jeff's over here tonight. We go up to June Lake and all year long, Asher talks about fishing and go, he looks forward to this trip where we go fishing. And last year was his first year. And I was thinking about getting them ready mentally, what you have to be ready to do. And the biggest problem is your pole gets in this hairball wreck when you don't know how to cast. You guys have all seen that. It just becomes this mess. But no matter how much I told him, tell him about untying this thing, there's absolutely no way he'd be able to do it. No way at all. But when I'm on the boat with him and I'm showing him this, you know, you loosen this and you pull this through and you, and you start unraveling this knot, he starts to see it. And this relationship is developed. And it's the same way. We have these troubles and we have these problems and we give them up and we start seeking God about them. All of a sudden, we start developing this relationship and, and God's showing us how to untie these knots in our life and how to straighten things out. And all of a sudden, there's this glorious thing, this thing that happens when we let God have it. When we humbly say, I can't untie this mess. I don't want it. It's yours, God. Let's, let's deal with it. And all of a sudden, we, we abandon that pride and in humility. We just say, I don't know how to do it. God comes through for us. And it's the coolest thing. He begins to heal us. And in this process, we actually get to know him. You see, it's in those moments where our problems become small because of this grace. It's in those moments that God has his signature on our life, his very signature on these small areas. It goes on to say that we we fix our eyes on what is unseen and eternal. And And he contrasts this from what is seen and temporary. And what he's talking about is seeking God in faith and believing and understanding and knowing. And through that faith and just the relationship, knowing God, all of a sudden this glory becomes so big that it breaks the scale and our problems no longer exist at a level that we even acknowledge because we've seen God's glory in our life. We start to see him for who he is. We don't see them, how he, him, how we used to. We don't see him through these lenses that are unclear because they're removed from us. All of a sudden, we see this beautiful, glorious God. And we see that he loves us. And he's amazing. And we see that we have a place in this creation. We have a, a spot, we have a, a function, we have a purpose. God begins to change us and and this internal thing starts changing who we are and it's beautiful and then all the world sees it and God's glory is spread everywhere. It's just an amazing thing. You guys, staying broken, staying broken is harder. Staying broken takes a lot of work. Wearing a mask, it just takes so much work. Putting up that front, it just, it's hard to do. This room is filled with people that can attest to that. I can tell you that. God is interested in us. He's interested in our heart. He's interested in seeing us better. Every week, we take communion. Rhonda and the band are going to come back up. This is a time where we consider, where we take an inventory of our life and what's happening with us and we reflect on those things. If God is speaking to you, all you have to do is respond. It's, it's pretty simple and, and that kind of starts the ball rolling. Once you respond, and you allow him to come in and things start changing. I got a call a few minutes ago, right before we started from our brother, Bruce. You guys know Bruce Getke? Anybody? Bruce runs the studio downstairs. Apparently he has some kind of cancer. I don't know all the details, but we're gonna pray for Bruce. Part of what we do on Saturday nights is family when somebody from our family is hurting, it hurts us and we care about it. And we want to see ourselves better. We want to see our friends better. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And I want you guys to, if you feel like you want to, come and take communion. Spend a few moments with Jesus and worshiping. If you have questions about your faith, or if you want prayer, I'll be up here. I want to talk to you. There's other people here that care about you. This is also a time where we give. For those of you that have made gravity your home, we give and it's something that we do and it's kind of an act of worship. So let's pray. You've been listening to gravitychurch.com.